Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Ponraj. Today, we'll be speaking with Martha Bentley. Welcome, Martha. Hi, glad to be here. So, Martha, tell us a little bit about your work and the organization you serve. Sure. Um, so I work for the state of Maine. I am in the Department of Economic and Community Development, and my crazy title is Director of Economic Development Coordination. And I always say it's crazy because economic development really can't be coordinated. It uh, just needs to be uh, connected and collected, I think. Uh, but part of my job is uh, to work to implement our 10-year economic development strategy. And I also work supporting small businesses and entrepreneurs. And what is your 10-year strategy? Yeah, so in 2019, uh, the state uh, launched a sort of strategic planning process. It's the first time that it has been done in quite a few years. And it really uh, landed on a vision that essentially says that in, in the next 10 years, we're going to be working for having a diverse, inclusive, and sustainable um, economy that brings quality of life and good jobs for all Maine people. It has, uh, it's really built on two key pillars, which are talent and innovation and has identified sort of seven strategy areas that we're working in. Um, one of the things that's been really interesting though around that is that um, part of the work in 2020, it has been uh, recognizing some of the, maybe the blind spots or spots that we missed with that strategic plan in sort of 2019. And so we are refocusing it uh, to also include um, concepts really around uh, diversity and inclusion and looking at it with an equity lens as well as uh, recognizing entrepreneurship as a key pillar. What does starting a business in Maine look like and what is the demographic makeup of your small business community? Well, that's a great uh, a great question, David. So Maine is uh, actually 99% of our businesses in Maine uh, are qualify as small businesses according to the SBA um, definition of small business. So Maine is really made up of um, a whole sort of ecosystem of small businesses. And uh, it really ranges from, you know, sort of uh, startups in the startup space around uh, technology and things like that to uh, tourism, to outdoor recreation, to um, uh, hospitality. All of these are really key pieces. And then, of course, we have these heritage industries um, that have really been natural resource-based industries. So, of course, because Maine has beautiful um, forests and uh, beautiful ocean, the fisheries and forest forest-based industries and innovations there are really important. Um, in terms of what does it feel like to start a small business in Maine, I think it uh, it really depends on sort of where you live and uh, what your background is. I think there are a lot of resources for small businesses. 
um, for traditional sort of small businesses. Um, but people in Maine are also very, very independent. So a lot of people just sort of jump right in and don't realize that there are a lot of great supports for them um, in the Maine ecosystem. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the actual uh, race and ethnicity conversation around Maine. I've uh, actually uh, not been to Maine in a business capacity. I vacationed a while ago and it's such a beautiful state. But uh, talking about small businesses, what is the demographic breakup uh, of the small business community? Yes, yeah, so um, so I think what is interesting is you know sort of the main uh, the main demographic reality that people talk about a lot is that uh, we're the oldest and whitest state in the nation. Um, what they don't talk about is that all of our population growth is really uh, people of color which is really, really interesting. A lot of in-migration and immigration. So uh, Maine actually, I, our uh, makeup, I believe we have about 12% right now sort of uh, people of color, but uh, very concentrated uh, in Southern Maine. So sort of the larger, more urban areas have more concentration. Um, and the, the small business community, I think we don't do a great job of sort of capturing uh, the data around those pieces. So if you looked at sort of the data around, uh, you know, uh, the small business definition, the disadvantaged enterprise, and if you could see me, I'm doing sort of the air quotes because I really dislike the nomenclature around that. Um, but, you know, if you look at people who have registered their businesses as sort of certified uh, disadvantaged business enterprises in order to apply for, say, uh, Department of Transportation contracts, um, you, you do see that the information we have is very um, clustered in those industries that serve the Department of Transportation because sort of that's characterizing yourself as a disadvantaged business has an advantage in that industry. So I think we don't have great data around um, some of the diversity statistics around Maine small businesses. That said, taking a deep breath, uh, the Maine is actually a great place for women to start businesses. We're always sort of in the top lists um, around women-owned businesses. Uh, but in the same breath, I would say women-owned businesses often in industries that um, can be the most fragile and disrupted and locally dependent. And so um, some of our women-owned businesses have really been hard hit by COVID because they're often very sort of direct customer-focused businesses. Um, but in terms of sort of the ecosystem for women, I think that it um, is a very welcoming and open place. So if somebody is starting a business in uh, Maine, what are some traditional challenges that you've seen, Martha, coming into economic development and entrepreneurship? And can you speak to some of the programs that you've put in place that have helped uh, start businesses better or faster? So, so we actually have uh, quite a few sort of on-ramps for people who are starting businesses in Maine. So the, the SBA, of course, 
has a very robust set of host programs here, the Small Business Development Centers, SCORE, and the Women's Business Center are all very robust resources um, in our communities. Our Portland, Maine SCORE chapter has been you know, named the best SCORE chapter, uh, I think two or three years running. Our Women's Business Center is absolutely amazing here in Maine, um, and it really reaches sort of all parts of the state. I'm doing a lot of really interesting programming um, one of the things that I really like that they are doing now that we've been a part of is uh, there's this propeller program and it has small cohorts of women who have ideas and the idea behind it is to say you don't have to have a degree in tech in order to have a business idea that is sort of tech enabled or tech focused. And so it really is, uh, you know, sort of uh, taking the idea to um, make it, you know, to do some making and breaking around the idea to to sort of launch more uh, tech-enabled women-owned businesses, um, and that's been really, really successful. Um, started in 2020 in the middle of COVID, you know, had to go remote, um, but we've had multiple sort of women-owned businesses start based on that. Uh, the other piece is we do have a we have a really robust early stage business ecosystem. So the Maine Technology Institute, which provides grants and then um, loans and equity um, as businesses mature sort of along that the, um, the investment readiness level uh, index. And, uh, and so we like to say in Maine, you know, sort of Maine is one of the easiest places to get your sort of first 500,000 um, it's one of the hardest places to get uh, beyond five million. And so um, that's sort of, I would say, the piece of the ecosystem that we really need some focus on is sort of that scaling piece. We really, we tend to celebrate people as they get started, but then, uh, you know, kind of move on to the next shiny thing. And so really trying to help companies scale once they've begun to get some traction in the market um, is an area that we really need to focus on. I'm a little curious now about how you got started on this journey. Uh, could you talk to uh, how you got into economic development and what's your inspiration to continue to do, which I can just by listening to you talk is really hard work. So what's the inspiration day in and day out to kind of try and break down barriers uh, in Maine? Yes, yeah, so I I come at this, um, I would say like any good liberal, liberal arts major, which is by a very uh, tangled road. Um, and I would say the pieces that uh, are probably the, um, the thread, the common thread is really kind of a love of learning and also a little bit of a love of the underdog. Um, I've always I actually came to this work from private philanthropy um, and just sort of recognizing that a lot of the issues that philanthropy tries to fix are problems that sort of our economic system tends to exacerbate. So trying to get away from, um, you know, I've heard Roth Baird describe it as sort of the two pocket system where 
people make money and they put it in one pocket and then you know they do their charitable giving with the money comes out of another pocket recognizing that making our economic system work better for more people and create wealth and prosperity within communities is part of the way that we um, make our world a better place. So that's sort of that's sort of my bent and where I come from, you know, where I come from. But I do think that the um, the lifelong learning piece is a really critical piece because to do this work, you have to be willing to question assumptions all the time and, you know, assume that we don't have the answers and we're not doing it, you know, we're not necessarily already doing it the best way and to um, be open to trying new things and uh, working with new people. In terms of your inspiration, are there other ecosystems that you look at in terms of bringing best practices back to Maine or are there ecosystem developers that you would like to share with our audience? I would say sort of yes and no, in that I, I uh, you know, I tend to be amazed by a lot of the work that people are doing. Um, I certainly think uh, Paulo Gregory and Jenny Kuhn are two of the best ecosystem builders that I have um, interacted with over the last few years, you know, just sort of doing amazing work at the local level and then, you know, sort of thought leadership at the national level through Startup Champions Network and eShip and some of those various various sections, just sort of sort of a recognition that uh, we have to just assume that sort of the economic development table isn't, you know, it's not fully built yet, right? It's not just inviting people to the table. It's saying, you know what, let's like trash the table we have and let's rebuild a table um, looking at things from a lot of different perspectives. So I would say sort of on a national level, I find um, both of those folks to be really inspiring. Um, but I also sometimes have a little bit of um, envy of the sort of ecosystem builders that I run into on the national level. I often find myself thinking, how do you have time to go to all of these, you know, like people who are going to eShip and South by and Startup Champions Network meetings. And I'm like, how do you people have time to do all this? And how do you get the money to go all of these places? So um, I have a little bit of uh, thought leadership envy when it comes to uh, some of that work. I totally get where you're coming from. I am part of these networks that you talk about. And yes, it takes a lot of time commitment and uh, resources, both financial and time resources, to be able to show up to these places. Let me shift focus a little bit and talk about what's on everybody's mind with COVID-19. What has been the impact of COVID-19 in your community? So COVID-19 has been a really interesting experience for me in the role that I have had with the Department of Economic and Community Development. So our role, so let me back up a little bit. One of the things that you will find in Maine is um, you know, there, there are very few of us, and we're spread out along a, about a broad geography. So there are 1.3 million people in Maine. Um, and to drive from the northern tip to the southern tip is it's closer to go to the space station in terms of miles. And so we're really spread out over a really broad geography. 
Um, and so what you find is that everyone wears lots and lots of hats. So my job also for the state, I'm also the small business ombudsman for the state of Maine. So I am the person that people can contact to say, you know, hey, I'm having trouble with the state agency or something that the state is doing. So you can imagine in COVID, um, our office's um, interaction with small business owners as you know, things are shut down as, and as only essential businesses can be open. And as, um, you know, as thing, as there are more additional mandates and as decisions are made um, often not, you know, in, that are being made in real time, not in sort of business planning time. So it's been, it's been a really tough role to be in because I have so much empathy for, these small business owners. I'm a small business owner myself. And like, I know people were and continue to, you know, can't go to sleep at night or wake up in the middle of the night going, how am I going to make payroll? Or how am I going to make rent? Or can I keep doing this? Do I need to close my business and try to find a job? You know, just sort of that, that whole hanging on piece that people have been experiencing um, has been really, really hard because, you know, so many calls about all of that. And then, you know, on the other side, so many calls about businesses not, you know, not protecting their employees or not requiring people to wear a mask. The whole sort of mask debate has been um, huge, huge in Maine. Um, and then, you know, the impact on tourism. I mean, I could go on and on, um, but I, I want to flip it a little bit to say, Businesses are so resilient and amazing and persistent here in Maine. I mean, people have just hung on, um, and it's it's incredibly impressive. Um, you know, right now bars still can only serve outside. You know, so people are in igloos, and people are you know people have developed heated seats, and they're installing. Um, you know, like L.L. Bean is installing seats like they have uh, for uh, professional sports in cold places so that people can sit on benches outside and their rear ends are going to be warm. So our businesses have been incredibly resilient and resourceful and just gritty as hell. Um, and then the last I would say is that I, I have to say, you know, Maine always punches above its weight class. And one of the things that I've been proudest about in COVID is that, so we have some of the key industry uh, leaders in terms of the fight against COVID. So one is Puritan Medical Products that makes the swabs that are used in all of the testing, testing um, and Abbott Laboratories that are making the rapid tests. Um, those are here in Maine and they have you know expanded and they have brought on new employees quickly and have really been a key part of the fight against COVID. So I'm really, really proud um, to have that main connection to the national uh, fight against COVID. And speaking about these industries, can you elaborate on, I think that the part of the main ecosystem is made of these uh, uh, travel uh, businesses because how beautiful Maine is. I actually don't know, I'm assuming this, but can you talk to the industries that were impacted most and how some of them have pivoted to stay in the business or if some of them have had to close? 
Yes, yeah, so definitely um, tourism and hospitality have by far been the, the hardest hit industries in Maine. I um, mean, part of it is not just, you know, so it's not just travel um, industries, but it's also just all of hospitality that Maine really counts on that swell of um, visitors and population uh, during the summer season and actually during the winter season also around uh, snowmobiling and skiing. Um, so uh, companies have been really hard hit there. Um, they have done a lot of work around just making their places safe for people to come and also recognizing, um, you know, just hitting different markets. So hitting the, instead of sort of, a, you know, recognizing, okay, we're not going to get our traditional uh, visitors or summer residents from, you know, New York and Connecticut or Florida maybe, but we are going to get visitors from New Hampshire and Vermont. And so um, really starting, you know, marketing and welcoming to different markets has been one key way. Um, the other is just changing the physical, um, you know, their physical facility so people could spread out. But one of the really, really nice things um, I would say has been that some of our more rural areas have really been discovered both by Maine residents as well as visitors. So, um, you know, places like Rangeley and Jackman and um, Eagle Lake and Presque Isle, sort of places that people don't necessarily normally visit in the summer, got a lot of great visitors and a lot of Maine visitors. So people, you know, people stayed in the state and they traveled around. Um, and so that, that really helped, I think, some of those um, hospitality and travel businesses. Uh, that is not to say that they aren't still hurting. And so the, um, you know, the state, we had an economic recovery grant program and put uh, $235 million out in small business grants just to sort of try to help people uh, weather, you know, weather the storm a bit. So uh, the other piece that I would just add that has been a real challenge is having the Canadian border closed because Northern Maine, of course, gets a lot of tourism and visitors and just people going back and forth um, from Canada. So some of those, um, a lot of those border towns have really continued to struggle with the Canadian border being closed to sort of back and forth daily traffic. Uh, I have a story to tell about Maine. My wife and I are both uh, sailing fans. And uh, my wife actually has her captain's license and we sail uh, three or four times a year. And we've been watching this uh, sailing couple and they have a boat called SV Dulles. They actually have been spending, uh, actually it's in the past tense, they have spent uh, or they spent their fall, summer and fall in Maine, in Northern Maine. And it's, it's so beautiful just watching uh, the coastal Maine that we would otherwise have no access to everything about it right like the the change in tides and the uh, depth to which the tide falls the they talked about the lobster fishing and how they keep it sustainable and ethical they talked about the quarries and back in the day how a lot of these were booming towns that are now like these deserted islands and it's just so fascinating everything that maine has to offer and 
uh, and especially Northern Maine, when you're talking about Northern Maine, it kind of brought back flashbacks of uh, watching these uh, this couple sail and tell the story of Northern Maine. Uh, so my goal is to someday uh, sail out there and be able to experience that. Um, but let me shift focus a little bit and ask you a question around uh, economic development. A lot of our listeners are practitioners of economic development. And I would like to ask you if there are some words of advice for them on how they can get into economic development, what are some things that they need to bring uh, to the table in terms of tools or ex experience that they should start working on? And when they are there, uh, what are some early uh, pitfalls that they can avoid to start off on the right foot? So I, I guess the first thing that I would say is that um, I am definitely not sort of a traditional economic development practitioner at all. Um, I am definitely more of an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder than I am, um, you know, a, um, you know, sort of the, the business attraction, sort of traditional economic development person. So, I mean, we, we do that, obviously, um, but we also recognize the importance of, again, with our strategic plan of this sort of, um, if you cultivate talent and innovation in both, you know, your people that are here and the people that you invite to come here, um, then sort of economic development and, and also build the sort of supportive infrastructure, then economic development um, will follow, I think. So um, we're definitely in Maine not able to or, you know, choose to give the, you know, $500 million tax incentive break, you know, to get Amazon, like that's just not going to happen. And that's not our approach. Um, so I think the the recognition of the importance of building the homegrown, investing in talent, um, and an innovative mindset, as well as building the tools um, for folks and the culture around um, growth and prosperity are all really key and important um, pieces. And also, you know, as I said, my path has been one that is quite varied from um, actually my master's is in uh, applied history and museum studies. And I have not worked in a museum since grad school. Um, I've, you know, my path has totally gone in different directions. And just to recognize, uh, be an openness to changes in your path. Um, and also, I'm just going to put in the shameless plug, come to Maine, because we'd love to have you. Uh, and, you know, David, you reminded me telling the story of the beauty of Maine. Uh, regardless of the people, the, the natural beauty of Maine is unsurpassed. It, you know, the mountains are beautiful, the coast is beautiful, the lakes are beautiful, Every sunrise and every sunset is beautiful. And I have some photos. I walk early in the day and I have one day where I got to watch the amazing moon, you know, the moon dropping on one side of the road and the sun rising on the other side of the road, you know, beautiful, both beautiful colors. And anyway, it's just, um, if you at all love being outdoors, 
you know, you cannot beat Maine. I love the plug and sign me up. <laughs> uh, I, I will plan on, uh, as soon as the COVID restrictions are lifted, plan because both me and my wife love what we've seen of the coastal Maine and we want to kind of experience that ourselves. And like you said, the mountains too, uh, with the hiking and, 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 not, and everything. So we look forward to that. Uh, Martha, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and uh, highlighting the work that you're doing in Maine and highlighting the state of Maine. I'm sure our practitioners will be able to uh, follow this episode and then reach out to you. So if they want to reach out to you, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, so, you know, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm there. Uh, you can also just email me. Uh, it's martha.m.bentley at maine.gov. Um, or, you know, you can also find me on Facebook on some of the um, ecosystem builder groups. Startup Champions Network or eShip or Rural Rise or sort of any of those groups. Um, I'm definitely out there and completely open to connecting with everyone. Well, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Polnraj. Special thanks to Martha Bentley for joining us. Cover art by show manager and creative director Mackenzie Dial Fritcher. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.